0: hello and welcome to for your reconsideration this is a special bonus episode where we are running through our top 10 films of 2020 i'm devin and i'm kyle and uh let's do this so 2020 in film hot take weird year weird year for (laughs) movies and life in general but uh we're gonna we're gonna power through it we still found we still watched a lot of movies and found a lot that we really loved to kind of ease our way into it. I want to really quickly run through the top grossing films of 2020 by domestic box office. This should be interesting. Oh, it's very interesting, Kyle. <laughs> as as people, if you're listening to this years in the future, maybe we've all forgotten about 2020. <laughs> but theaters actually weren't open for a majority of the year, so uh, it didn't take a lot to get into into the top 10. So here we go: the top 10 films of 2020. By Domestic Box Office. Number 10, The Call of the Wild. I forgot that movie Ooh. came out this year. Uh, number nine, The Invisible Man. Eight, Little Women. Which is actually a 2019 film. There's quite a few 2019 films that made the top <laughs> of 2020. Uh, number seven, Doolittle. Number six, Birds of Prey. Number five, Star Wars Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. Number four, Jumanji, The Next Level. Now, I do believe that was also a 2019 movie, wasn't it? Did that come out this year? It might have come
1: out like Christmas or something. I don't know.
0: Okay. Number three, Sonic the Hedgehog. Number three, top-grossing film of 2020. Number two, 1917. And the number one, highest-grossing film of 2020, Bad Boys for Life
1: interesting list. which
0: made about 200 million dollars wow. and was the highest grossing film of the
1: year i'm surprised like invisible man didn't do better than that to make the to crack the top 10
0: well it like, came out like
1: do little beat it i mean a couple weeks before a couple weeks
0: down. before everything shut down that's true. that's true bad boys came out like i think they had a good month or so before sure, the theater no. shut down
1: so the, obviously like uh the 20 dollar rent at homes do don't go into this list no i don't believe so no. okay
0: so yeah Gotta say, or I don't know if any of those top ten will end up on our lists. We shall see. I have not had a chance to see Bad Boys for Life yet, because I've not seen any of the Bad Boys movies.
1: Spoiler alert: My number one is not Doolittle.
0: (laughs) All right, you want to get into our top tens? Let's do it. All right. Do you want me to go first, or you want to go first?
1: I think ladies first.
0: All right. My number ten favorite film of 2020. Is the trial of the Chicago Seven by Aaron Sorkin. Uh, full disclosure: I'm a huge Aaron Sorkin fan, so I am biased when it comes to Aaron <laughs> Sorkin, and I understand. I understand what people don't like about his his style of writing, in particular. Um, I happen to like it. I do think. I mean, the man has never met a device he didn't love. But I think with The Trial of the Chicago 7, like, writing-wise, script-wise, all the things that he that I think he excels at are on full display. I think the devices that he uses are really well done. I think that he, it's really, we watched for this upcoming season of For Your Consideration. we watched his first um, screenplay that he wrote, A Few Good Men, which is also a a trial movie. I don't know what was it? Is that the terminal you are, Um and so this like reminded me of that a lot too. It just seemed he does a very good job of introducing all the characters, of introducing the conflict in a quick, snappy way.
1: I believe had, you were looking for courtroom drama.
0: Courtroom drama, thank yeah, you so yeah. much. And um <laughs> But he does a good job of like of getting exposition out without making it feel like exposition. Um and I think the ending I don't love at all. But I think that this film in 2020, obviously protesting was a huge top of conversation. And I think that this movie was a good reminder. Um, not as good as um, another movie that might come up on my list later. But I think that this is a more accessible film for people to watch and enjoy. And it's just well-crafted fun entertainment
1: like more accessible than the other one you're going to mention later yeah okay
0: well i just think this like feels so much like an like it feels like a few good men like it's like that old school by old school i mean like 90s like (laughs) movie for adults that's like you know what i mean it's just yeah i
1: don't know i do i know what you mean they don't really make them like this anymore
0: they don't and the ending is is why they don't like i really wish he would have changed the ending to literally anything else and i also think that i mean there's issues with it i know
1: to, to reuse you can't handle the truth was a wild decision
0: <laughs> i agree it was it was but <laughs> you got a good line you, you keep using it <laughs> but yeah that is my very biased number 10
1: no i i like that a lot uh i mean i yeah I, I really did enjoy the movie like the performances were so strong to have some really interesting casting choices like sasha Baron Cohen and um the guy from S- succession just jeremy, ruled strong. To- jeremy strong yeah he was he was also really excellent, but to have these like i guess not so like super faces uh play these you know these men from the nineteen sixties was i think really interesting mm-hmm. uh
0: you got lean and Eddie in there
1: clean and eddie oh yeah eddie redmayne was in it i forgot about that but it's just like mark rylance although he's also a very successful actor he's just like not a face you know what i mean yeah he's a really good uh character actor so it's just like to have i don't know all these like immense talents but not like overshadow the actual story and being able to sink into these real people i thought he did a really good job at. and obviously you mentioned the devices were incredible
0: yeah oh Aaron Sorkin loves the device.
1: Yes. Here's what I'm thinking. So I'll do my number 10, and then I'll jump into my number 9, and then 8. You do 8.
0: And then I'll do my 9. Oh, no,
1: 9, and then 8. Like, we'll do two oh, okay. in a row. Okay. How about that? How does that sound? Sure. Then just the back and forth. Volley. Okay, so for my number 10, it is the 40-year-old version. That is version, not virgin. If that sounds <laughs> the same to you. It's very confusing. <laughs> yes. Uh, to say, oh, what's your favorite movie from this year? The 40-year-old version. What? <laughs> I came they out when that? I was a child, <laughs> uh, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is the forty-year-old version, the uh, Sundance movie that Netflix picked up, uh, directed, written, and directed by Rada Blank. Um, it's just about this woman who's approaching, who's approaching the big four uh, zero, but she was one of New York City's uh, thirty under thirty for arts. She was a playwright and she's really doesn't feel like she's living up to that lately and she's feeling older with age and not as creative so in a year of reinvention um it's kind of nice to see that this character is forced to you know to like reinvent herself um, and do different things and although she's still very much involved in the drama community she decides to give her try at rapping And I just think it's, I don't know, it's just one of those movies that kind of, it touched in the right way, you know, shot on 35 millimeter black and white. It feels very much like a, uh, it feels very much like someone who got their start directing in the 90s, but instead (laughs) it's happening now. Um, And it's just, I don't know, it was, it was refreshing and it was, it was weird at times. Like it would just kind of break its sense of realism to do some kind of wacky fun things. Again, it just felt, it felt like a movie not from 2020, but very much then just felt right to be placed here in the year 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah.
0: I, I agree. It didn't make my top 10, but I definitely really did enjoy it. I think um, it's one of those, like, when you describe the plot, it definitely sounds like, oh, I've seen that movie before where, like, the old person tries something new and young. And I think it does some – it doesn't go the way you would expect a movie like that to go, which I find – sure refreshing no I'm absolutely
1: saying. absolutely does it does fun things that are again i say it's a movie that does feel like it should have come out in like the 90s or something
0: mm-hmm.
1: um early but then 2000s. Wouldn't have been able to make fun of hamilton but, well sure <laughs> but yeah like it's just it also elevates it with the times you know what i mean there's certain things that could only happen in it because of yeah you know it's today but it's just it just feels uh timeless in a, in a big way too and I, I really appreciated it okay moving on to my number nine uh this is my one kind of cheat for this year i'm known for my cheating on these top 10 lists i only have the one this oh. year so they're just spoiler alert there's no ties ahead of us here um every movie deserves end. its own slot oh <laughs> the tides have turned uh but my number nine choice is derek cian francis i know this much is true this was an hbo miniseries series. i look on devin's face i'm gonna be the only one talking about this today uh <laughs> it's uh Derek Sean Francis, HBO mini series. It just feels like a six hour long movie, so I wanted to put it in here. Um featuring powerhouse performances from um Mark Ruffalo playing twins. We got Melissa Leo doing an excellent job, Rosie O'Donnell kinda knocking it out of the park, just some really Catherine Hahn. Catherine Hahn just I again, love Katherine Hahn. So yeah. Much. This is like the decade of Hahn and I just ugh oh, I love mm-hmm. her. I love her. And you know what she would say to me? I know. No, it's a different Han. I'm sorry, that's a different Han. Sorry, (laughs) got to stuff a Star Wars joke (laughs) in here somewhere. Uh, But no, um, just this drama about brothers and family in general, and there's a lot of flashbacks to how they got to where they are today, and it's just, it's so melodramatic and so oh i just it's it just it checks all my box. i'm not actually no i take I that back because i'm not usually one for melodrama necessarily i'm one for a good slow pace and okay i wish you i wish it was a video podcast you see the way devin's looking at me right now
0: just you saying you don't like melodrama when you went and saw manchester by the sea like 17 times okay maybe i
1: love some melodrama uh <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, this just checks all my boxes. Uh, it could it could easily serve as like one of my underrated choices of the year too, just because no one really, I know, talks about it or has seen it, and it feels weird to just kind of cherish this thing. But I get it. It's, you know, it's not everybody's flavor, but I thought it was a really kind of bold choice uh, to get behind with such talent, and for HBO to to take the risk putting it out. Um, but yeah, I couldn't po- po- I couldn't recommend it more. Again. It's like six episodes. It runs for three hundred and seventy-seven minutes, but it just feels like a long, good movie that you can kind of break up a little bit.
0: Feels like twenty-eight um. hours. <laughs> no,
1: no. The episodes are plotted out really well. Reveals are 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 great. Definitely t- goes. Definitely take some turns that you don't like. Some turns you don't see coming. Some ones you definitely d- like. Oh, don't do that. And you know, mm-hmm. let's see. But it's 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 really just interesting how how it plays out in this world. Um, based on a, on a book from the '80s. Yeah, 90s.
0: that about right, something like that.
1: Um, but made today, and I feel like, I mean, I feel like Mark Ruffalo deserved all the awards for this, but
0: he gave a very good
1: performance. Yes, um, and I do want to give a shout out to Jodie Lee Leips, the cinematographer, who just honestly murders it. I think, uh, I think Derek Cianfrance and his cinematographers work really closely together to really establish a mood, a look, and a tone that is just. Uh, I don't know, to be rivaled. I really I really enjoyed it. So that's uh, I know this much is true at my number nine.
0: All righty. I'm not going to yuck your yum, so I won't share my thoughts on that choice. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> my number nine pick, also deeply biased, is Black is King, a film by Beyonce. No, wow,
1: number nine. I recall a couple years ago that Homecoming was number one. No, it wasn't. It wasn't? No, it was like number eight. Oh, maybe I don't recall very well as you, as you know, very well. (laughs) All right. Sorry. Black is King.
0: Black is King, which came out on Disney plus this year. It was her companion film to the, uh, Lion King inspired album that she put out the year before called Lion King, the gift, which is basically, um, songs that she wrote with other African songwriters and performers and artists, that kind of um, trace the plot line of Lion King and so with black is King it was kind of the visual representation of that where it's kind of the 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 story of the Lion King but told with with people and not lions and uh, but I mean anyone who knows even the smallest bit about me knows that I stand Beyonce and once again as I said with homecoming I did not put this film on my list because I stand Beyonce. I stand Beyonce because she makes films that are my favorites of the year, <laughs> above all the everything else that she does. I think that the film. I mean, Beyonce, because she's Beyonce, has the power to put out an art house film on Disney Plus. Do you know what I mean? Like that is mm-hmm. amazing because the film is just visually stunning. Every image from it is iconic like the fashion the look like everything the dancing everything is just perfection
1: okay you're, <laughs> you're really doing the standing thing right now
0: i am so but like i honestly think like it's an amazing film and if you haven't seen it watch it because it is a visual feast for your eyes and yeah. also the music's good
1: no i mean i absolutely agree uh it's definitely like one of the favorite things i enjoyed this year but uh I wasn't trying to include music videos on our top ten list, so it's
0: not a music video. No, I'm
1: just kidding. I am just kidding. I think it is absolutely beautiful, and I would recommend it to anyone as well. Mm-hmm. I truly, truly enjoyed that movie. Um, something that just like occurred to me, though. Uh, actually, it didn't it left? It occurred to me, and then it f- it fluttered away.
0: It unoccurred.
1: It unoccurred. <laughs> All right, sorry.
0: All right. Well, that's my number nine pick. So then, my number eight pick. One of the last films we saw in theaters and the only film in the top 10 of 2020 that's in my top 10, the invisible man directed by Lee mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
0: This movie was honestly like a surprise to me. I went into it just because I will watch literally anything that Elizabeth Moss does. Like yes. I am, I also stand Elizabeth Moss. <laughs> so, yeah. so just a list of people that I stand for actually. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, I went in just cause I love Liz Moss, but I think, what they did was so um, interesting. They took something like The Invisible Man, which is a very old property. It's one of what are, the Universal Monsters things, isn't it? Yeah. One of those. Oh, yeah. And they made it so prevalent for 2020 where it's, it's not really about him. He's the, the danger in the film. But it's very much about her, about the cycle of abuse, about what happens to women when they try to get out of an abusive relationship, the struggles of, um, you know, when women aren't believed, when men can gaslight women into believing certain things. Like, there's so much going on in this film. And Elizabeth Moss obviously gives an amazing performance because she's an amazing actress. Um, and also, I mean, the way that they, <laughs> they can make a static shot of an empty corner <laughs> so sinister because you don't know if anything is there yeah. or not. It was so good. There's also a moment in that film that is one of the most shocking things I've ever seen in a film.
1: I believe you're referring to definitely the best kill scene of 2020. Yes. Which is weird that you're bringing it up, and it is not on my list. But
0: I mean, it was just, it really, it stuck with me all year. And maybe part of that is because it is one of the last movies we actually saw in theaters. But yeah. I think, too, it's just a very um, powerful movie. It's a strong movie, and uh, it's, a, it's a fun thriller with some meat on its bones.
1: Amen. Amen. No, I would completely agree with you. This is definitely one of my uh, honorable mentions for sure that just kind of got booted off the list at the last minute. Um, just an incredible surprise for everything that you said and more. I really like what Blumhouse and Universal are doing with those old Universal movies where they're definitely, I think, Lee, uh, Lee Wennell. Wennell?
0: That... Yeah, I'm sure. Wennell.
1: I just, yeah, I like definitely, I think he's kind of the leader of let's take these old properties and shake things up. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait to see what else they do because how successful this film was for sure. Um, absolutely. That's the invisible man. The invisible man. Devin's number eight. Yep. Uh, my number eight is one night in Miami, uh, directed by Regina King based on the play. um, this is definitely the biggest Oscar bait kind of movie on my list. Um, it's just one of those movies that you know you you you're gonna see on uh, in this episode. You know, what I mean, you're gonna see in our show. I mean, all different sorts of movies that are bi- you know uh, biopics that are kind of similar to this. And I it,
0: this is a forfer.
1: It's a forfer
0: for biopics. It's just four famous people.
1: <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, exactly, exactly. Taking this really interesting approach, where approach where it's like sure it's all based on these real people and a possible friendship, but did this night happen? Anything like this? Or was it just, you know, a, uh, a brief meeting in a restaurant where a picture was taken. Um, but it's just so wonderful. And I think, you know, Regina King is her like freshman directorial effort here. Does a really excellent job getting these performances out of her four lead actors. Um, the characters being Malcolm X, Cassius Clay, pre Muhammad Ali, um sam cook and uh jim brown and each of them even i don't know i didn't know a lot about sam cook or jim i mean i i mean i don't truly know a lot about any of them um but
0: we had just watched malcolm x by yeah yeah yeah
1: um but it just felt so like these they brought these people to life in a very real way whereas like yeah sure in history class you know we learn The basics of these men but um to really just kind of explore the friendships and and who they really were as people outside of just the celebrity uh um their celebrity i mean to the world uh is really kind of interesting and again i can't i can't praise their performances enough like these these they really just knocked it out of the park on this one they really did a nice job and it's just i think you know it's a year for this movie you know it's regina king what a year or two ago made her you know announcement that uh she was gonna you know hire more women do like more women work and and and, uh and black stories needed to play a more powerful role in hollywood and then she does this and it just she lived up to it she owned it and she she really she really did um, some fine work here and I can't wait to see what she does next. So that's my number eight.
0: Good choice.
1: One night in Miami. That's
0: a very good choice. I oh, might yeah. have more to say about that later.
1: Do you have anything to say about it? Oh, okay, okay. So then I, I'm, I'm going again, right? Yeah. Number seven? Yeah. Sorry. I already forgot what my number seven was. Number seven. Oh. One of the I believe we saw this pretty early in the pandemic. St. Francis. Is that true? Yeah. We rented it through the music box to support them mm-hmm. during these uh, crazy, crazy times. Oh, This is St. Francis, um, directed by Alex Thompson and written by um, uh, Kelly O'Sullivan.
0: Who also starred in it. Who
1: also stars in it. And this is just a movie, a gem of a movie that kind of just stuck with me. It's a, it's, it's a crowd pleaser. It's, it walks this line of like, kind of indie cutesy, but then just like, honestly, just takes that to another level and redefines what we can kind of do with that genre. Um, It's just a woman about, she, it's a, it's a movie about a woman who, who gets an abortion and then almost immediately starts working as a uh babysitter not babysitter, what's the right? Nanny nanny, yeah. nanny of a young six year old girl who is the most adorable person <laughs> in the entire world. And that's where you kind of get the cutesy vibes, whatever. But I think it I think it really deals with a with a lot and it feels very uh timely, very modern. Um it's definitely like a take on like the modern family and the the modern um you know Lifestyle of relationships and having kids or not wanting to have kids. Um, and just kind of does all of this in a really smart, fun, powerful way without necessarily being preachy or taking sides or doing anything else. It's just, it's one of these wonderful movies that kind of stick with you. It's like, I think, I remember we saw the trailer mm-hmm. playing ahead of a movie at the music box or mm-hmm. Landmark. Okay. And... I can't remember the last time we saw a trailer for like at an indie theater or a small theater where it was like, oh, we got to see that. Yeah. <laughs> but this one kind of just stuck with us. So when it came on, on streaming, um, it was definitely, again, probably the, the biggest gem out of the year is just being kind of surprised, not knowing much going in and just being, you know, um, pleasantly surprised and affected by it. So, yeah, sure. that's my number seven, St. Francis.
0: Very good pick. My number seven film is Palm Springs Ooh. by Max Barbacow. Palm Springs uh, came out on Hulu this year. Andy Samberg and Christian Milani. And um, it's a basically, it's a comedy. It's basically Groundhog Day uh, time loop type scenario. <laughs> yeah. But two people are stuck in this time loop, at least. Well, actually, there's three there's people. There's three. But <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of this, like, it's a it's a rom-com where they're stuck in a time loop. And, um, one, I think that it's just a really funny movie. And I always like to include, you know, I think comedies sometimes get short shrift when people are doing these year-end recaps. And I think this was a very strong comedy that came out this year. And I also think that it definitely benefited from the pandemic in that I think a lot of people, re- so, like, um associated a lot more with this movie than they would have because quarantine c- can often feel like you're in a time loop. You're just <laughs> yeah, living the same amen. day over and over again. Um, So felt very timely as well. <laughs> it did. But I think it took that genre, which there's been there's been other movies besides Groundhog Day that have done this time loop thing. And it took this genre. And I think by like, when we meet Anu Seberg, he's already been in this time loop for an insanely long amount. We don't even mm-hmm. know how long he's been in this time loop. But I think by like jumping in when he's, you know, already it's not like we're not starting with him in the time loop. He's already been in the time loop. And I think like by starting it later, they just could do a lot more fun things with it. Um, and Yeah. I just think it's a really well done, funny, moving, lovely romantic comedy.
1: I really wish that it would have been my number seven. And then.
0: And then, and then just repeated yeah, everything. That, that would have said. been a, a great joke <laughs> that
1: we could have set up there. Uh, but no, I couldn't agree more what a what a delight of a movie this year um I really enjoyed it, and it was funny because it's like it wasn't you know it's another one of those cases where like this movie wasn't made to come out during a pandemic <laughs> but just worked so perfectly doing so absolutely and only aided it in its enjoyment in my opinion
0: absolutely. well, how's this for a time loop because my number six movie St Francis
1: oh, by Alex Thompson. I was wondering why you didn't comment on it,
0: yeah, it's on my list. Uh, I pretty much agree with everything you said. It is a gem of a movie. I'm I'm a real sucker for a coming-of-age story. That's probably one of my favorite genres of film and books and TV and anything else. I just love a coming-of-age story. And I really appreciate this one because it is a coming-of-age story, but she's, um, she's an adult already, which I also kind of enjoy when that, that happens. She's already like, you know, I think she's at least like 30, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah but she's still kind of like figuring out her life. Yes. And as a 31-year-old still figuring out her life, I <laughs> I felt a little seen there. But like I said it's just um it's just a lovely lovely movie. Heartwarming, touching, funny. Oh, definitely. And so uh, I encourage everyone to go check out Saint Francis.
1: All right, coming in at number 6 for me is uh The Assistant, written and directed by Kitty Green. Um, I believe this was another Sundance movie this year uh, picked up by Hulu. I could be wrong. Maybe it was from last year.
0: It might have been from last year, but I don't think it came to technically amount until this year. Gotcha. This year. On Hulu. This year.
1: Um, but you can find it on Hulu. Um, this is a movie about the day in the life of an assistant Whoa. of a movie producer, <laughs> which, you know, in the Me Too era we live in. Um, definitely suggests it's possibly what it was like working for someone like Harvey Weinstein or you know people of that uh what's the word I'm looking for ilk ilk yes people of that ilk thank you devin um just a slow burner subtle movie filled with the different nuances but just because we say we because possibly i am a man who is unaware of what it is like to live like this in this world or have to adapt to these work situations but it really just because like me too has kind of painted a picture and i think opened a lot of eyes to what happens um in the professional lives of women i think it's just this uh really easy to kind of get into and observe and this is a very observant movie again just filled with to keep using this word, subtleties and nuances, but um, yeah, just a good story. Again, slow burn, so checks that box for me, but really good performances um, uh, by Julie Garner, who I haven't watched Ozark, but clearly I hear she's, she's excellent in that, but um, yeah, I don't know why I'm kind of like running out of words for this movie, but I I just couldn't recommend it more. Again, it's on uh, Hulu. Mm -hmm. Very good choice. Good choice, and then you know, nothing you want to say about that?
0: Not at this moment,
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Then I will uh move to my number five, which is a documentary by Kristen Johnson called Dick Johnson is Dead. Um, as we go to learn through this movie, uh, the director, uh, Kristen Johnson, her mother died of Alzheimer's and related dementia. Um, slow, obviously, like painful death for her. They all had to kind of um adapt to this new way, her and her father. Uh but I also think she was she was she was working a lot during that time too and, and as she mentioned she didn't she wasn't able to get like a lot of footage of her mom during that time period. So later when it comes to her father also experiencing forgetfulness and heading down that path, uh, she makes the decision to film a lot of it and to film his story and film why are you say?
0: No, I'm just I was just laughing about what she decided to film.
1: <laughs> oh, sure, yes. Uh, but film his story in you know in the days uh, of him you know being diagnosed and having to kind of change up his life, leaving his job, and uh, starting down this new path. Um, and then she also decides. So again, that's kind of the documentary aspect of it. But then she also decides to set up these scenes of killing her father.
0: Different ways he could
1: die. Various different ways he can die besides maybe Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is just this beautiful take on, on, I mean, dealing with, dealing with the death of a loved one, a parent, or not wanting to deal with that, I guess. Um, she was definitely, she was definitely, I think she had some regrets about kind of how her mom went and maybe time spent. So she really decided to change that up and do something with her father, and it made him nothing but proud. Mm-hmm. I, just a documentary that sounds ridiculous with the title Dick Johnson is Dead. But it is just heartwarming, touching, beautiful, and uh, definitely one of the best movies of this year. And I got to say, like, just because it's coming at number five for me, my five through one are all so good like mm-hmm. i'm so happy with these movies like some of the best movies i've seen let alone just in one year right um that i don't know it's almost irrelevant the number choice it is i couldn't recommend this movie more uh, dick johnson is dead
0: it's a very good choice that um it's definitely in my honorable mentions uh, i think it is a very beautiful movie heartbreaking honestly to watch because i mean it's filmed over many years and so you can really see the, the decline her father's taking as the illness gets worse. But um, I think it's really good. I think, you know, ultimately, I think I would have appreciated maybe a little bit more if it had grappled more, discussed more how filming these death scenes was helping them. You know accept his his impending death like i feel like it it was there and i think that's the reason for it but it wasn't really discussed very much which i would have appreciated a little bit but i think ultimately like it's just a really beautiful celebration of her father of their relationship and i i definitely recommend it
1: because you talked about it It means it's not on your list no it's my honorable mention it breaks my heart
0: i know i know okay well for my number five I actually have a tie Ugh. after years of you sneaking extra movies onto your list <laughs> through ties. I decided if I can't beat him, I'll join him. That's great. So at number five, I have a tie between one night in Miami, directed by Regina King and Ma Rainey's black bottom, directed by George Seawolf.
1: Ah, I like what you did here.
0: Cause I think these movies are, are very similar. Honestly, they're both uh, based on plays they both uh feature black artists and they both feature conversations um about about the struggles that black people are facing with Ma Rainey it's more in the in the twenties and thirties and then obviously with when I'm Miami it's the civil rights era in the sixties. Um but I think both of them are ultimately about the the differing viewpoints of how best to interact with a world that that doesn't want to interact with them with Ma Rainey you know we have a Ma Rainey is a successful blues singer who she said I mean Viola Davis's performance is really amazing and uh but her her stance of how she's gonna deal with with white people is very different from Chadwick Boseman's character um who also Chadwick Boseman gives an amazing final performance in that film And, um, I think both of them, they just raise such interesting questions. They discuss things in a really interesting way. I think that for me with, I think anytime a movie is based on a play, the performances are what drive the story in the play. So it's oftentimes what drives the, the performances drive the movie as well. And I think, In both of these films, the performances are really the highlight. For One Night in Miami, like you already have talked a little bit about it, but I just also want to, for me, the standout in that film was Leslie Odom Jr. as Sam Cooke. He has two moments in that film. I mean, he's great throughout, but there's two moments in that film that were really, really moving. One is a flashback to a concert that he gives when the sound goes out. And then all you can hear is just the chanting of this crowd. And it's one of the most beautiful scenes I've ever seen in a movie. And then there's also at the end, he sings a song. And the first note, when he hits that first note of that song, it just gives me like full body chills, even just like (laughs) thinking about it. It's so beautiful. So I definitely want to highlight Leslie Odom Jr. Um, But yeah, I just think both of these movies, they're very, very similar. And I think both of them are
1: excellent. I like what you did there. If, and if I, I, I like that pairing a lot. I wish I enjoyed Ma Rainey more um, in order for it to make my list, I guess, but I really, I really like what you did there. And I couldn't agree more with you on your points.
0: Yeah. I think, I think Ma Rainey, like between the two, I think Ma Rainey still feels the most like a play and less like a movie, but that mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily bother me that much. Sure. And for me again, I think the performances are what make it. And I think it's interesting, too. They're both based on plays um, that I don't think were written in the time periods that they take place. But I think that Ma Rainey has a much bleaker ending than One Night in Miami. And I think it kind of speaks to the different places that, it, you know, people were at at those, at those two different times.
1: But Absolutely.
0: So, yeah, that's my little tie at number five. And my number four movie is Sound of Metal, directed by Darius Martyr. Martyr?
1: Martyr. Martyr?
0: Martyr. Uh, So, yeah, Sound of Metal, which I also think is just a really brilliant movie driven by a great performance by Riz Ahmed. Um, And also, I... I didn't look up the name, but the supporting actor who played the leader of the yeah. organization that he goes to. But, um, but really like Riz Ahmed's performance like drives that whole movie. And for me, I think it's a really, a really beautiful story about how someone when, you know, so basically if you don't know the plot of sound of metal, he is a heavy metal, drum player who loses his hearing drum player is drummer
1: yeah <laughs> <What>? <laughs> fucking drum player he's a
0: drum player yeah dude. is that not the term I
1: mean, that's not the cool term to play that. <laughs> well,
0: i never claim to be cool <laughs> <laughs> um who loses his hearing and you learn fairly early in the film as well that he has suffered from addiction and overcome that and like basically i think the the way that he overcame his addiction was by focusing on music. Mm-hmm. So it's a really a really interesting look at like how someone rebuilds their life when the thing that had saved them before is taken away from them, which i just found really interesting. And i also think, you know, speaking of things that are timely for 2020, i think it's very much a movie about the lengths that a person will go through go to to remain to keep some normalcy in their life to keep things the way they've always been whether that serves them or not yeah and uh i don't know it's a little apt for 2020 i would say i think we've seen the lengths some other people will go to to retain normalcy
1: yeah
0: no matter who it hurts but um but yeah i think mostly for sound of metal i think the performance by riz Ahmed is is the thing that the best part of it, but I also think it's just a very good story, as well. I feel like I'm just rambling right now.
1: No, you're okay. I think I think that's a. I I this movie just like literally was the last one to just kind of exit my <gasps> top ten. It didn't
0: make your top ten? No,
1: it did not. Wow. I mean, I really enjoyed it. I do, and I think more than Riz Ahmed, I think. I mean, he is great in it, but I think the the sound design is what's so. Really,
0: yeah, the sound design is very, very good.
1: What drives me? I know. I don't know why. I guess at the end of the day, at the end of the day, like every movie on my list, I would like rewatch again, but I wouldn't necessarily give that movie a rewatch.
0: Really, I, I don't would know. honestly. I don't
1: know how to feel. Like, I wish I. I don't know. It's one of those things. Like, it was like on my top ten, then it was off my top ten, and it was on, and then it was off. I don't know. It's just like. Maybe I'm just trying to justify it, but you're right. I totally would watch it again. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just didn't I, make the cut for me. I don't know sure. if I like loved the end, honestly. And I think oh, that's really? a lot of it is. Yeah. Oh, for the sure. ending
0: was like my favorite part.
1: See, are you talking about like literally the very end? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. But the whole act where he goes back to her and I just, it wasn't, I didn't think any of that was very good. Oh, But um. It. Yeah. No, I feel like they didn't really know what to do. And uh, that's what they ended up with.
0: I thought it was so powerful because it really is him realizing, like, like I think they needed each other at a certain.
1: Point. Yeah, no, I understand. I don't want to spoil I, things, but I like... understand the story. It just <laughs> I felt love it, it felt messy. It didn't feel right. It felt mm. kind of tacked on there. I understand what they were going for, and I think they did achieve it in a way. I just think it was messier than any of the rest of the movie. Um, oh, I disagree. But, with yeah.
0: That I do think I did. I forgot to mention the sound design, but you're right, the sound design is like one of the strongest aspects as well because it really like puts you in his shoes. Yeah. Of what he can hear and can't hear.
1: For sure. For sure.
0: And I also love the way because when people start signing and he doesn't know sign language, they don't put subtitles. Yeah. So you yeah, don't yeah. know what anyone is yeah, saying yeah. either. And then like.
1: No, for sure. It's just a very well. Subtitle. Also, let's just normalize sign language. you go. Yeah. All right.
0: If you want a good time, look up videos of sign language interpreters at rap shows.
1: That's really cool, actually. (laughs) I didn't know that. Excellent choice, Devin. So that was your number four, yeah? Yes. All right. My number four. I guess this is kind of cheating, but I think you're going to do the same thing. (laughs) Is all the small acts movies. Couldn't just pick one. The The whole thing flows over you together. It's not... I don't think this is ever supposed to be, like, individual movies pick f- to pick from. You know what I mean? This is a whole collection. We're supposed to watch this together. Which is also why I think, like, I know this much is true could fit into this. You know, like, it's hard sure. to say. It's just it's just a different way to distribute things. And I think things are going to get weirder and harder to decipher where they exactly fit in the future, you know?
0: Well, and I think, too, in, especially in 2020 when literally, like, no movies came out in theaters, it's hard. And everyone watched these movies on their television. Mm-hmm. It's hard to determine. It's hard to argue what's TV and what's a
1: movie. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Anyway, these are the five uh, films uh, directed and co-written by Steve McQueen on Amazon Prime. Um, They all deal with these uh, different stories of black life, mostly Caribbean, right? Mm -hmm. Um, in, In London or in England in the 1970s and 80s. Does it ever go past that? 70s and 80s?
0: No, I don't think it ever goes past the 80s. Yeah,
1: I'm trying to sorry, education. I was making sure that wasn't the 90s. Okay, no, that
0: was like the 70s,
1: honestly. Okay, um, but yeah, it's just these these awesome stories, you know, um, from a very, I mean, at least being in America, we don't know much about for sure what it's like for black, for black culture in in London, England. You know what I mean? And so it's just, it's just this little kind of uh, dive in to what to what something I think easily Americans can relate to. Or people of color can relate to all around the world trying to, to fit in communities that didn't necessarily embrace them um, but it's just these these vastly different stories that all center around you know the same the same starting point in a way um, that I think is just so relevant. I think Steve McQueen is an amazingly visual director. The colors in these movies are just insane the format the making it look, like it is in the seventies and eighties, but also very live and fresh. Um, and he does stuff. He does stuff with his camera that he's like never really done before. And I think he really took some risks in p- what is probably his most personal effort to date. Um, and man, big, big swing and a, and a home run um, with the small axe films on Amazon Prime for me. But yeah, absolutely. You have anything you want to say about that? Not at the moment. <laughs> All right. And uh, <laughs> my number three, probably my most anticipated movie of the year. Uh, it was killed me because it was supposed to release late March, and it didn't because <laughs> of the goddamn p- pandemic. But uh, that is Kelly Reichert's First Cow. Um, I am a huge stan for Kelly Reichert. I've always really enjoyed her movies. Um, They touch a nerve with me. It's something that, like... She makes movies that, like, I wish I made more so than anyone else. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just, like... It just connects with me. It makes me want to be a better filmmaker. It makes... I don't know. Like, I don't know. I just... I don't know what to say. Like, Kelly Riker is just... She's so tuned in. Um... To nature and subtlety and uh you know her pacing is is just my I had to keep like referring to like pacing is like my well some of my number one choices for what makes good movies but they are slow burns and it's really effective uh you really get drawn into her characters uh and their relationships their passions um, I know we had just watched certain women earlier and earlier yeah, this year, and you could really agree with me on that. Um, but yeah, this one did not disappoint, and I notice it's all over a lot of critics' top ten lists, and I think that's I think that's super awesome uh, because she really is. Uh, when you think of like a great American filmmaker, I think of her because I think she captures America in such a unique. A naturalistic way that uh it's really just something to behold um and first cow is this fucking heist movie (laughs) about milk from a cow like you can't this sounds so stupid it sounds so dumb but it is just beautiful Mm -hmm. and and amazing and uh i should mention it takes place in the 19th century by the way, it's not like a modern, they're, they're no. silly silly from a cow. <laughs> but, uh, but it is just this, this wonderful movie with these characters you really fall in love with and you really are interested in their story and it's captivating and it's, it's funny at times and it's just truly, truly beautiful. Um, this was like, again, my top five could easily be interchangeable. This was at my number one, you know, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, but that's my number three is Kelly Reichert's First Cow.
0: I think that's a solid choice um for me it took me probably like an hour to really get into first cow and once i got into it i was i was really invested from about the midway point on to the end and i really thought it did a good job of you know it's a, like you said, it's kind of a heist movie it's about um friendship but i think it's more it's more about friendship and it's definitely has a a really interesting thing to say about capitalism and the way that capitalism has been ingrained in our country since the very beginning because you know it does have a case in this like early settlement in the pacific northwest and um where they get their first cow and just about who has access to that cow who you know what i mean i just think it's saying so many interesting things about america about our history about the way um immigrants have been treated it says a lot by without without saying a lot without being loud and being over the top it does say mm-hmm. a lot And I appreciate it for that.
1: Amen. All
0: right. Time for my number three.
1: Do you mean to confirm that? Yeah. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Well, what's your number four?
0: My number four was Sound of Metal.
1: We heard you talk about that. So yes, number three. Well, I
0: didn't know. I couldn't remember if you were done or not. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes, I I am done. My number three, I don't feel so bad since you did the same thing, but it is all five small acts films by Steve McQueen. Um, like you said, I, I put them all to, you know, for a minute I had them kind of broken up on my list, but I really do think, I think some of them, you know, like as standalone movies, I think they're good, but I do think that they're stronger as a whole and they yes. obviously were made to be one, one whole project. Yes. And so that's why I'm going to consider them as one. And I think that the way that they're ordered, I think they do inform, you know, each other yeah And tell one cohesive story and uh i read somewhere some i think it was steve mcqueen was saying that in i have a hair in my mouth sorry <laughs> in um in england in school when they teach black history they they taught american black history so they would learn about slavery and martin luther king jr bef- and never learn anything about the black communities within england and I think that's interesting, one, because I think that this this project was obviously very personal to him. But it's also interesting to consider that before he made this, he made 12 Years a Slave, which is about American black history. Mm-hmm. But I think that he probably needed that time to to work with and get to the point where he could make something like this. And, um, and I think it's really an astounding feat. Like, if you're talking about the most impressive bit of filmmaking from 2020, I don't think you can argue that it's not small acts. I mean, obviously I can, I put it at number three, not number one, but <laughs> <laughs> I really think that what he did is, is really interesting for me. You know, I think that a lot of critics have been, uh, singling out mangrove and lovers rock for the most part as like the best two. And I do think that those two are the most complete stories on yeah. their own. Yeah. Uh, for me, though, I think the standout was honestly "Red, White, and Blue."
1: I agree. For some reason, that one is just like <laughs> that really has sticking really, like, with, stuck me. with me. Yeah. yeah,
0: and John Boyega gives an amazing performance in that one. And um, but I do think that one ends rather abruptly. But um, cause yeah, I, it's, I think the last three somewhat do feel somewhat more unfinished, or like under. I feel like there could have I could have watched an entire series just yeah about that plot line of "Red, White, and Blue."
1: Yeah.
0: Um. And education, for that matter. But, um, yeah, for me, that was a stand-up. But, honestly, all of them inform each other. And I think that as one project, it's incredibly impressive and, and interesting. And I, I agree. Like, I think, obviously, if they were only teaching American black history in England, like, here in America, I think we know very little about British black history. So, learning sure. all this stuff about the Caribbean um, communities within England was very very interesting
1: it really was also if he can just release five movies every couple years i would be totally down with that <laughs> sure so
0: know. well he did it for the bbc so i'd imagine they like somewhat funded it right Isn't that probably how the bbc works
1: yeah oh well, yeah
0: bbc can just keep giving him money he'll keep making movies maybe do it <laughs> all right so now we're to my number two and i will tell you i've <laughs> i've moved this list around Many times since I first put it down. And for a long time, this number two movie was my number one movie. But the last week or so, another movie, i just been thinking about it more. So I switched them at the last minute.
1: Anticipation my is killing me.
0: <laughs> my number two movie is The Assistant by Kitty Green.
1: Very nice. Did you not talk about it earlier? No, I didn't. Oh, I didn't see this one coming. I'm sorry. Do we so, have yeah. the same number one? No, we don't. Oh. Um,
0: <laughs> What's your number
1: one? I don't know. Sorry. This is, I'm interrupting the podcast. <laughs> you are. I'm annoying the viewers. Let's go. Or the listeners? So is, you've
0: already talked about it, basically, you know, the plot and everything. And I just want to... I mean, I feel the same way about it. I love that it's just a slice of life. It's just literally one day in her life. And you... Um, But you get a full picture of what her life is like through that one day. Yeah. And I also... I'm a huge fan of subtlety. I think that subtlety is completely underrated and i think this is the most subtle film about uh a very big topic about sexual harassment in the workplace and yeah. sexual predators and all that and i think one you never see the producer that she works for so he's just this pre- he's this presence over everyone in the office mm-hmm. but you never see him you never i think I guess he kind of hears like muffled voice at one yeah, point but yeah. like it's just it's so well done. Uh, Julie Garner's performance is amazing, and I also want to shout out uh, Matthew McFadden, who is in one scene, but steals it the way only Tom could. But, <laughs> like, but I think it's that a succession reference. Yes, yeah. it's for Tom from Succession. But um, I think that scene too is really important because it shows. I mean, it shows the kind of obstacles that can come up when you are trying to do the right thing, when the system has been created to protect people like this producer, how limited anyone without power really is in making things change. And so I think, I think it's a very important movie. I think that it's a well done movie and I think that uh, everyone should watch it and it's on Hulu.
1: Amen. Solid, very solid, solid choice. All right, now for my number two. My number two is Shirley by Josephine Decker. Um, this was quite a surprise, especially I think I can talk. I can think I can speak for both of us on this. Neither of us enjoyed her last film very much, Madeline's Madeline
0: no
1: yeah like you tried
0: to make me leave <laughs> i
1: did i it was one of the few movies i wanted to like well i just couldn't handle it i don't know if it was the day mm-hmm. i don't know what it was i even wanted to tell you there was a mouse running around up front of the theater there was that was true <laughs> but I, I didn't really care that much i was just trying to say how can we get out of here <laughs> oh, we were in the middle of a double feature a double feature that day yeah mm-hmm. well, what was the first film
0: skate kitchen it's oh, god dude which i
1: love fucking movie rule <laughs> yes. dude Oh my god, that was on our top tens, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Damn, that's a good movie. Yeah. Alright, sorry. Uh but Shirley, uh about Shirley Jackson, the writer author, um, starring Elizabeth Moss. Again, another one you admitted to standing for. A lot of stands in your
0: Love her. Name my cat after Zoe Bartlett.
1: <laughs> yes. Um But it is just it's this whirlwind of a biopic that is don't know what's true. I don't know if it's all fiction. It doesn't matter at the end of the day. It's this, this look into the life of, of a mad woman, uh, which is only, you know, thrown upon her by the, the people that surround her. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the, 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 really the, the, the look at, Oh, you guys are the ones that are turning her into this mad woman. You're the one making her this mad woman. You know what I mean? She's this, uh, She's just played so brilliantly by Elizabeth uh, Moss that I don't know. It's, it's, it's again, I hate, I hate, I already used the word whirlwind, but it's just this, this movie full of this kinetic energy that just, I don't know what to make of it. And it was so, such a surprise. And it always kept me, uh, fascinated and glued in. And it did some surreal stuff. And it also did some really grounded, you know, um, um, things based in realism that just it all felt so natural yet so surreal at the same time and it was just this journey and i wish more movies were made like this like i don't know uh it was just a flavor that i can't ignore um and i can't stop thinking about it from the moment we stopped watching it i i can't wait to watch this film again um and i can't wait to see what she does next because i really feel like she is uh killing it and uh yeah i couldn't recommend this movie more and that's uh Shirley. it's on hulu
0: mm-hmm. i uh it honestly breaks my heart that this movie did not make my list
1: oh my <laughs> god are you serious yeah i thought this was for sure that I'm gonna be your okay
0: no and i loved it and i agree with everything that you said um I think that it is a really interesting thing. It also gave me so many. She
1: gave it four stars. Okay. I that's did. Pretty give it good. Four stars. No, that's good. That's good. Okay.
0: And um, it gave me such uh, who's afraid of Virginia Wolf vibes. Where yeah. It's like I can this see that. Yeah. Older couple kind of just fucking with this younger couple. And that's like their entertainment. And I dig that. Who's afraid of Virginia Wolf is my favorite play. And so, um, yeah, I really loved everything about this movie. I actually ended up buying the book the hangsman hangsman that she's like writing in that movie i like bought Mm -hmm. the book so i was like i need to read this i mean which i haven't read it yet but i'm excited to do that for sure and yeah elizabeth moss is a goddess
1: (laughs) i'm really just shocked it didn't make your i don't i just you know
0: when i'm looking at my list i'm like i'm like curating it do you know what i mean i want it to be like a representation of all the kinds of movies that i love as well as like
1: Sure. You know what no, I mean? Maybe it, you, you, you can make the list however you want to. I was just surprised. I expected it to be on your list. That's all. I know. I'm not, it, ma- I'm not it mad was. at you. I'm not mad at you. At this at you. point, it's not. What, in March? <laughs> 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 it is the one that has like stuck on my list all year long for yeah. sure. Okay. And now moving on to my numero uno, Ooh, number on. one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what it is already. Uh, and that is Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, written and directed by Eliza Hittman um big fan of the hitman okay (laughs) Uh, i think we both loved beach rats i nope i'm getting i'm getting the vibes i strongly liked it i don't know if i'd use
0: the word love but yes
1: um and you're right you know curating types of movies i like uh, you know again this is one of those movies uh you know you got uh flowing handheld camera work very nuanced performance very little dialogue Uh, character studies, close-ups, love it, love it, dive right in, Um, but most importantly, because it deals with that taboo subject of abortion, um, it's kind of weird, yeah, like this, and then kind of polarized on the other side of it with, uh, not polarized, but on the other side of my list with uh, St. Francis, but um, yeah, just about abortion by a teenager who cannot get uh, obtained an abortion in Pennsylvania, so she has to take the train to New York with a friend of hers. Um, and it's this beautiful... I, I don't know. It's it, it's hard to describe. Because this isn't a movie I can sell to people, I guess, in a way. You know what I mean? Like, How do you word it in a way that's like, this is going to be entertaining. You're going to love this. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's just one of those it's just one of those things it's it's so of the moment yet also timeless um coming of age in a very abstract way like a very real a very real way but not your typical storyline of a coming of age film Uh um And the relationship between uh, this girl and her friend is just one of the greatest relationships I think I've ever seen on screen. And there's a moment where they just touch hands, and it's one of the best things I've seen this year. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I'm at a loss for words. Um, But... I can't emphasize how how truly great I think this movie is. Um, yeah, never, rarely, sometimes, always.
0: It was a very good choice for number one. Again, it breaks my heart. I didn't make my list, mm-hmm. but I do. I do think it's a very moving, <laughs> moving picture. That's a pun I didn't mean to make. But um, <laughs> and I also think again it's it's very subtle. And I think for me, it, it has probably one of the best scenes of the entire year where she's um at the clinic answering questions which is where the movie title comes from but just in the way that she answers the questions and doesn't answer the questions reveals so much about the circumstances that got her to that point that i thought was just an amazing performance an amazing scene like that scene honestly like makes the whole movie for me
1: absolutely her use of non-professional actors like the fact that you can direct these very real people, you know, who haven't had any sort of training to these performances that are just so authentic and so captivating is just
0: mm-hmm.
1: incredible. I'll watch anything she makes.
0: Absolutely. That's a very good pick for number
1: one. I am super curious about what your number one is.
0: All right. Well, let's find out.
1: Like, it hasn't been mentioned. No. Nope. Right? This is insane. I'm... I don't even know what it could be. Wait, what did I take off my list? Okay, no, I don't know, but...
0: Well, I don't think this ever would have been on your list because I liked it a lot more than you did. Okay. But my number one movie, 2020... right, ...is Promising Young Woman, directed by Emerald Fennell. This movie, like... You know, it's... it's Because I just got done saying how much I love Subtlety, and this movie is the absolute opposite of that. But for me, like I When I first watched it, I was very excited for this movie to come out. Again, it was a movie that got delayed. It was supposed to come out in the spring. It didn't come out until Christmas. And we didn't get to watch it until mid-January. But um And so when I first got done watching it, I feel like I was a little uh there's a third act twist that kind of is a gut punch that I wasn't expecting, and it kind of threw me off. But the more that I've sat with it, the more I've thought about it, the more I've read discussions of it online and on podcasts and that sort of thing. The more I just really appreciate it for what it was, which, um, if you don't know, prowessing young woman stars Carrie Mulligan as a woman who is seeking vengeance against quote unquote, nice guys for something that happened when she was in college. And I just, I love, I love the decisions. Emerald Fennel. this is her debut film, but she also was the co-showrunner for the second season of Killing Eve. And I think there's so much of that, so much Killing Eve energy in that movie. (laughs) But I love the choices that she made as a director from the like costumes and set design and the soundtrack where it's this like hyper feminine pinks and cherries and, just like very very feminine the music is all like you know Paris Hilton and Britney Spears and like hyper feminine things but it's like she's weaponized that femininity into what she's doing which I loved I just love all those choices I love um speaking of the soundtrack there's a moment they use a song from the King and I which um I'm not going to recap the plot of The King and I, but <laughs> essentially it's a song a woman is singing where it's like, yes, men can be cruel and awful, but we have to love them because there's something wonderful about them, even though they're so awful. And the the moment in that film where that song is used is such a needle drop, gut punch. Like, It's brilliant on every level, in my opinion. What scene is it? I'll tell you, it's a spoiler. So I'll tell you when we're off the podcast, but, um, yeah, I just love the choices. I think that, you know, I've seen a lot of discussions I've seen. There's a lot of people who don't love it and I understand that, but I also think like that discussion is what makes it so interesting to me because I think that, yes, it's like a revenge movie, but I think it's also a critique on revenge movies about what those movies get wrong about how. Usually in rape revenge movies, it's all like a bloodbath, like you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that this is a lot more realistic, and I think it's also a critique on like if you set out for this revenge, ultimately, what are you what are you destroying? You know. Mm-hmm. And so I really appreciate it for that. I appreciate Carrie Mulligan's performance. The writing.
1: Soundtrack as you the said. Soundtrack
0: is so it's. Costumes yes the costumes this is what i'm saying um i just think it's such an ex it's just exciting for me i can't wait to see what emerald Fennel does next and i love the discussions that are happening around it but i also think if you're gonna go into it you know i've, I've read a really interesting article about how disempowering this movie is for women and i forget where it was at but i think if you google that you'll be able to figure it out but um And I think it's an interesting article and I believe I agree with a lot of things the article said. And so now I'm just rambling, but I just think it's interesting and I think it's raising a lot of interesting questions, but I also think that like, yes, I don't think it is empowering for women, but I also don't think it meant to be sure. I think it was marketed that way because I don't know how else you would market this movie. No,
1: for sure. For sure.
0: But I don't think that's what it was trying to do. No. Yeah. I feel like there was another point I was going to make. (laughs)
1: <laughs> do, 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 do. oh here's there the other goes. point
0: i was gonna make what i love about it is that this is very much a film about female rage and i don't think there's enough movies about female rage and i think that there's so many movies about male Ooh. rage <laughs> <laughs> and i I mean like this is a bad example for you because i know you did not like joker but i think a movie like joker which is very much about male rage which is just like galvanized people and like with such like so many people loved it and could maybe see themselves in that character for better or worse that i think like it's only fair like and I and obviously like he's a joker is literally a villain so it's not like Mm -hmm. good they're not saying that that rage is good and i think it's only fair like i can i only think that like movies can be made better by allowing women that same space to play those same sort of characters and so i love I love the representation that female rage, for better or worse, gets in this movie.
1: I'm with you, dude. All
0: right, well, that's it. That's my number one. Those oh, are our top yeah. ten. Well, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, All let's right. talk about some more movies.
1: Ugh, haven't we talked about enough?
0: Probably, but we don't know when to quit. Do you want um? So you want to do categories or honorable mentions first?
1: I don't have any honorable mentions, so you might as well just get them out of the way. Okay, I've already honor- mentioned the movies that I cared about.
0: My honorable mentions, um, a lot of them you did have on your list, but yeah. my honorable mentions are Let Them All Talk, which I honestly, I'm surprised that wasn't on your list.
1: I, uh, it, it was. Okay. And then it wasn't. Same here. <laughs> That's what happened. It is it is a wonderful movie, though.
0: It is. Let Them All Talk, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, Time, uh, The 40-Year-Old Version, Boys State, Shirley, bad education
1: okay so just all the good movies you saw this year is that what you're naming right now
0: soul <laughs> kajillionaire uh i really did love kajillionaire that was on my sure. list for a minute uh dick johnson is dead portrait of a lady on fire which technically did not come out in 20- well it came out in america wide in 2020 and is the last film that we saw in theaters yeah at the music box straight up
1: like that wouldn't have been on your top 10 list
0: It was on my top 10 list for a minute, and then I just had too many other movies that I was like, technically, it's not 2020, so I'll just move it. Okay. Uh, Straight Up, which is this adorable romantic comedy that I just found on Netflix one night. And it's problematic a little bit, but it's also like one of the funniest things I watched this year, so (laughs) I just want people to go watch it. Uh, Blow the Man Down and Birds of Prey. Nice. That was a really strong movie this
1: year. It was. I really enjoyed Birds of Prey. I mean, I would agree with most of the ones you said, so... I don't really have anything to add. I just featured the 10 I wanted to. So.
0: Well, I like to have some my All right. Now we have some categories that I stole from the Slash Filmcast. You stole it from film spotting SVU. So. <laughs> first up is the most overrated or the movie that we didn't get. Okay. You go. I've talked too much.
1: Wait. Overrated or movie we didn't get. Okay. I have two. Okay. I have two. But I'll tell you why. I had one. But then I was like, that's cheating too much. So I, I threw two on there, okay? Okay. So I'll give you the one that we that I've actually seen, and that's Mank. Okay. I don't think Mank's that good. Yeah, it's like, okay. It's okay. People talk it up like it's the greatest thing since Citizen Kane. <laughs> uh, it's not. No. <laughs> it's not even really that good. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I don't know why. It's just like, it's just one of those things. I think it had a lot of anticipation behind it, and then it got pretty good reviews from some critics, but... It just feels so. Like, I respect for what he he was doing. You know, I mean, he was. Essentially, he was making a movie written by his dad.
0: Yeah, and that's And that's
1: like beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I love it. But it just. It did not work on on many levels for me. So I I agree. Apologize for that. But the movie I really wanted to put as the most overrated is actually a movie I haven't seen.
0: Oh, okay. And that's That's Tenet.
1: And this is not. (laughs) I know. This is not what you think it is, though. I think it became such a big thing because it was going to save the movie theaters during this pandemic. Mm -hmm. And then it comes out to these like mediocre reviews. Um, So yeah, I haven't seen it. I can't make my own judgment, but I do think it is fucking stupid and irresponsible of both Warner Brothers and Christopher Nolan to think that, oh, the pandemic's not going to affect this movie and they keep adjusting it. And it's what's going to save the movie theater. We just, we have to release it because that's cinema, baby. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought was really fucking stupid. I'm sorry to keep swearing, but I'm honestly so pissed about that situation that that's what's not driven me to watch the movie. I just felt like that was handled very irresponsibly for business decisions and not the health and safety of others. Um, Just a personal opinion there, Um, but yeah, Devin, what's your most overrated of 2020?
0: Uh, My most overrated is I'm thinking of ending things. Fair by Charlie Kaufman. I think I think I think like critically this movie. I mean I don't think like. Average people watching this on Netflix liked it, but I think critics have really, really responded to it. And for me, like, look, I get what it was doing. It's not like I'm confused about what was happening. Yeah. I just didn't like it. And it just seemed very (laughs) self-indulgent and uh, not that interesting. Yeah. Because I just feel like once you understand what's happening, you're like, oh, okay. I get it. That's an interesting critique on, like, the things we consume and how does that, you know, affect who we are. Okay. But then it just keeps going. And I'm like, I don't need to keep thinking about this, actually. <laughs> I'm done.
1: Yeah. And it, it, I hear it's a, it's an excellent book, right? Is it just one that did not need to be translated to, to film or?
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like probably it would work better as a book. Yeah. Because I don't know. I don't know. I've, I've heard mixed things about the book as well. I think it has a similar, like, people are like, what did I just read? What's happening? Okay. Why? All
1: right. My uh, most underrated movie of the year, um, I think, is a little sweet little gem. I wanted to include one that wasn't on my top 10 list. So I picked I Used to Go Here mm, by Chris, yeah. by Chris Swamber. or Chris, no. Is it? Chris Ray. Chris Ray. Thank you. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, By Chris Ray. And I'm a little biased on this one too, because basically about the school I went to, but also along the lines of the 40 year old version, um, which I I thought about tying these two. Oh, That would have been good. Uh, Yeah. It would have been good. Uh, But then I needed one for underrated. So I just, (laughs) I couldn't think, I couldn't think. Um, But yeah, it's just this little gem about, you know, you, you don't live up to the success kind of, kind of put that you've been putting out into the world. Um, and maybe you have some bunch of if-thens and remember-whens, as I like to say. And that's what this movie is. She goes back to visit her old school on a book tour with a professor that really kind of got her into writing. But, again, it's just this sweet movie. Uh, feels like a movie almost from a different time, too. But it's also just, again, very rooted in today and kind of how the modern, maybe millennial uh, – Kind of feels about their situation and dealing with success in life at the at an age where we thought we were supposed to be married and have kids and be settled down and blah, blah blah and just kind of dealing with with age and success in a really interesting and fun and fun way so that's yeah i used to go here by chris ray
0: it's a very good choice i know my most underrated um i actually don't know how critics feel i just feel like i put this here because i feel like I've never seen anyone talking about it. And I think it's a movie that deserves to be talked about. And that is Swallow, directed by Carlo Mirabella Davis.
1: Damn, that's a really good choice. And I don't Critics know... Critics liked it a lot, though. It
0: might have come out in 2019. I don't even know. But we didn't see it until 2020. No, Last I th- time I anymore. think
1: it counts as 2020.
0: I think. It, I think, yeah. I think, like, it may have played festivals in 2019. But, like... Anyway, Swallow, which is basically about this young, newlywed housewife kind of stuck at home with nothing to do. And so she starts swallowing household objects. But it is it's just one of the most interesting movies I saw this year. One of the most visually stunning movies I saw this year. I think that it the aesthetics were gorgeous. Um, and I just think that more people should see it and talk about it because it's a very interesting film.
1: Amen. I think, yeah, I think I just kind of came out at a weird point in the year where we needed stuff for sure. But I think it's kind of been forgotten about or pushed to the side since then. But it really is, yeah, a really excellent film. Um, my most disappointing movie of the year, Devin, was a little movie on Apple TV Plus called On the Rocks.
0: Oh, oh my gosh. I didn't even think about that. So, That's a good choice. Yo,
1: know, It's a, it, it's perfect because yeah. um, we love us some Sofia Coppola. Love. Who doesn't love Rashida Jones? Love. Who doesn't love Bill Murray? Love. But everyone doesn't love this movie. No. No. Because it's not that good. No. Nope. Um, it felt underdeveloped. Incomplete. Like, I don't know. It just, it, I don't understand how this fits into her repertoire. Like, I just, I get maybe the 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 the, the relationship between father, successful father and daughter. I get it. But in no way does this movie work. No. And it's really a shame. And that is uh, that's all I got to say about it. On the Rocks by Sofia Coppola.
0: I do agree with that. I think that it, it definitely felt unfinished. It felt like she had an interesting idea and then just had to rush to finish it for some reason. Yeah. So I agree with that. But my most disappointing movie of 2020 was Wonder Woman
1: 1984.
0: Oh. I loved the first Wonder Woman movie so much. I'm pretty sure it was on my top 10 for that year. And I was very, very excited about this new Wonder Woman. Yeah. And it just didn't work for me. I enjoyed a lot of parts of it. That was a weird sentence. I enjoyed many parts of it. But I just think it, like, fell apart. Like, it was just too much. They tried to put too much into it. Yeah. There were too many villains, too many, like... The way they bring Mm. Steve back is insane um so yeah i was just i was very
1: disappointed no i'm with you 100 percent, baby 100 um i mean not no I, you know what i don't want to say 100 percent. i was let down yes i still kind of respected the approach of taking the 1984 and yeah making it feel like an 80s movie Yeah, that's,
0: i feel but, like that's what, there's so many good ideas in it yeah
1: but in the end like... in a movie we were anticipating so much that got pushed back and delayed it was a shame it wasn't a better movie yeah. And a success for HBO Max and Patty Jenkins. And yeah, yeah, I agree.
0: So usually our last category is what movie we think is going to be most relevant in 10 years, because here on this podcast, we subscribe to the belief that it takes 10 years to really uh, determine the importance of a film. But uh, neither one of us could come up with a movie that would fit that category this year. I think that <laughs> 2020 strikes again, you know, <laughs> I just think for me, like when I was thinking about, I was like, I could go the cynical route. Like, yeah, all these movies about racism might still be relevant in 10 years sure, and sure. they probably will be, but that also seems like a sad note to right. go out on. No, no, for sure. So let's
1: have a little bit more optimism than that.
0: Yeah. So, so we don't really have answers for that one. So that's how we're ending that, but uh, <laughs> it's just hard. It's a hard year to determine. Uh, I just think so many of the films that came out this year are so like, speak so much to 2020 that it's hard to determine and 2020 was such a weird year that it's hard to determine what's going to be relevant in another decade you know hopefully everyone who knows if it'll (laughs) still be going on for still be quarantined in 10 years i don't know you know
1: you know i do have one theory though i do think if it would have waited a week i think cats will be uh relevant in 10 years if it made the 2021 list you know what i mean um I think people are going to turn around on cats. I really I do. I don't.
0: <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. But... Okay, you're right. There's just no movie that fits the
1: bill then. Okay.
0: All right. Well, that's it. That is our special bonus episode. And you may be saying, hey, guys, this is bullshit. The last episode you put out a year ago was a bonus episode where you discussed the best films of 2019. And I'd be like, you're right, listener. That's very true. But we have good news for you. Next week. Season three is coming at ya. We're going to be talking about Oscar movies again.
1: Yay, I hear it. I hear all the celebrations yes, happening. I know everyone is
0: thrilled. So make sure you're subscribed so you get that in your little feed. I don't know how things work.
1: <laughs> and then like rate us or whatever.
0: Yeah, rate us, review us.
1: We realize we do a really bad job at asking people to rate us or review us. But again, at the end of the day, we're also like... Not making money. But we would like to reach more listeners.
0: Yeah. If you'd like to send us money. Oh, sure. We'll take it. So (laughs) let me know if you want our PayPal. But (laughs) thank you for listening. And we will be with you next week.
1: Bye. Bye. Hashtag release the butt cut.